Hello, everyone, and welcome to Define. Today's interview is going to be awesome. We have the opportunity to hear more about Sandra. She is the podcast host of The Millennial Coach. I've had the opportunity to listen to a couple of them, and she's just really cool, really insightful, and I'm very excited to have her on. Welcome, Sandra. Thank you very much, Kaylee. Thank you for having me. No, of course. Um, would you be able to share just a few things about yourself so our audience can get to know you a little bit? Absolutely. So um, I started my career off in journalism. I uh, started at CNN um, and then I went to different broadcast houses across the UK. So I worked at Discovery, Disney, National Geographic. Then I moved to the Middle East for seven years um, and I worked for a broadcaster in Bahrain and then moved to Dubai and worked for Showtime where we launched BET out there. Um, and that's really my story. And then I came back into the UK and I wanted to, instead of working in marketing and comms, I wanted to do something more inspiring. And therefore, I started working in education. I've been the last seven years, I've been teaching, lecturing, educating, um, doing talks and motivational speaking and stuff like that across the UK. All right. Awesome. It, you've had an incredible life from the little that you've shared with me. Um, what yeah. is one of the defining? What's one of the defining moments that you wanted to talk about today in particular? Well, I think it's the, the defining moment for me is when you strip yourself of everything you know and moving out to the Middle East um, where I had zero comfort zones, no friends, no family, and basically starting your life up from scratch. You know, if, if you're in the UK, you can move to another part of the UK, but get a train back to London. If you're in the US, you can get a train from state to state or drive. You know, I was eight hours away from everything I ever knew. Um, and it was a lonely experience, but I always say thank you for the US military. They made my life a lot more exciting in Bahrain. Um, and that also brought some sense of reality of home from home, from a Western mindset to another Western mindset, gave you some type of comfort. But for me, the defining moment was having to grow up very quickly when you have no defences. It was a place, the Middle East is a place where you would need to experience it to understand, but you need to experience it by yourself, where working with certain types of individuals who don't have a Western mindset can be quite soul-destroying. So for me, it was a case of, you know, very abusive, I would call it management, um, where you didn't have human resources who had any power. Human resources were intimidated by management. Everything was um, controlled by money. Um, and that was a tough, tough time. Um, and especially when people look up to you as a leader in the business, when you are disintegrating, you know, and you have to be strong for everyone else, it's either you have to rise like a phoenix or you will literally, you know, collapse and crumble. I left Bahrain and moved to um, Dubai where I was able to really embrace who I had become, the woman I had become, um, working in the senior leadership team and also as the only black woman in the senior leadership team. There was multiple layers that I had to work through to be able to stay sane um, and also working with people who may be in the, on the same level as you but have zero qualifications and, you know, and I'm not suggesting that if you don't have qualifications you are less than not suggesting that at all but you do have a different perspective 
when you're exposed to new information on how to deal with certain levels of management, but also certain levels of self-development. No, that's, that's crazy to me. What, what was kind of the moment where that helped you embrace it? Was it just moving kind of gave you this idea of a fresh start or was it something that happened before or right after that? Um, my, my, the move from one part of the Middle East to the next was when, you know, when you are sick and tired of being sick and tired, that is when I, I have to take action. I am somebody who, you know, we know depression is real. I have experienced those bouts of depression where you don't feel like you want to be here anymore. And you have to make a decision whether you your life was in vain or not. And I don't believe my life was in vain. So I just decided, you know, I'm not going to stay somewhere where, you know, you're being abused in the workplace. And, you know, people might not define, you know, screaming at people as abuse in that part of the world. But in my opinion, that is a form of abuse um, and threat being threatened um, with job loss and things like that. And having that level of self-belief, knowing that you can do better is very important, especially when, you know, that element of failure in the back of your mind, if I go back to the UK, it may look like I failed. And so you have that defining moment for me was either you sink or you swim. And it was a colleague. We all hated working there, the Westerners. And it was a colleague, an Italian colleague who had said, you know, I've seen this role. Why don't you apply for it? It's exactly what you do. Um, and I, I remember sitting in the car outside the supermarket. It was like 50 degree heat having a telephone interview because my parents had come over from the UK and I didn't want to have the interview in the house. So I wanted to be in a neutral space. And I had the interview for about an hour. And, you know, there was a lot of synergy and I never heard back from them for about two or three months. And I just thought, well, at least it gave me the opportunity to interview and, you know, really home in on my skills. And then I got a phone call, can we fly you over for face-to-face interviews? I was like, okay. So because I was so unhappy in the workplace, what I decided to do is just phone up sick for the day. I got on a flight because Dubai is half an hour flight from Bahrain, got on a flight and, um, parked at the airport at 5 a.m., got on a flight, stayed in Dubai for the day, had the interview, and the interview was like three hours, which was fantastic, met the CEO, etc. and then got back on the flight and then went to a work party afterwards, and they were like, I thought you went well, so yeah, I feel a little bit better. So it was a case of having to do things where, you know, people were very unaware of you making moves, um, and that's how, for me, that level of resilience and not even complaining or making it a big deal to my family was important for me because when you're away from home people your family will worry they don't have any idea what you're dealing with any idea what you're going through emotionally um and psychologically so that that level of resilience that I believe I was born with I really had to tap into that and rise above to be able to get to the other side No, that's amazing. And that's a hard skill to learn, especially when it's, you have to, or you don't really have a choice, right? Um, What made you want to move to the Middle East in the first place? I mean, it sounds like it was a career move, but that that took a lot of guts to just kind of leave everything. What kind of pushed you to do that? Well, at the time I was working in central London, in Soho, um, for 
a film organization which also was affiliated with the BAFTAs, so it's like the version of Emmys in the US. And um, there was a, the campaign that we uh, were running, but I was, I get bored when my mind is not being stretched I get quite bored so I was like I need to get back into TV because film is even slower than anticipated so coming from CNN coming from news into television and entertainment and movies it's slightly slower than news and then getting into film is like no offense but having a stroke the industry is so slow and so I was just like okay I need to do something and also I felt like in the UK in comparison to the US there's a maturity level that, you know, a lot of my counterparts re respect about younger people in the US because a lot, a lot of people get married at a younger age. Um, you know, there's, the values are very different. And I just felt like, and I'm also from a family of African heritage, and you can live with your parents till you're 60 in our culture. So, and it's not something where people look down on you because you end up looking after your parents. But my parents didn't care whether I lived there or didn't. So it was a case of let me just grow up in my own way and, and learn my own lessons because, you know, we get model coddled a lot in the UK, I feel, by African parents. And I don't think that also helps us develop as individuals. And people could disagree with me, but that's just the experience that I've had. And I know a lot of other counterparts in my life have had the same. Where You know, parents like to interfere in your life constantly and if you're living with them it's even worse so I just wanted to get away from the UK I want I was sick and tired of the cold weather as well it's always not always but the winters are for me brutal I'm a summer baby so you know it was partly for the sun sand and tv and also to mature oh that's awesome how is that have you run into situations where you know, as a leader in your role, especially after your experience in the Middle East, where, where it is such a different work culture, special, well, culture Definitely. in general, you know, Western Eastern yeah. culture. How is that, how are those lessons kind of helped translate to coming uh, back and being leadership well, role now? That's very interesting. I had a um, conversation with one of my, he's now my, literally like a best friend. Um, and we met in Bahrain and was, you know, in 2006 and he's now in the Netherlands. And we spoke last night and, um, I said to him, since returning to the UK, there is n I will not put up with bad behaviour. It is unacceptable for anyone to be disrespectful. It's unacceptable for people to reject you based on race, gender, disability, whatever their reasons being. And I will always speak my truth. I don't care if it offends people who may be in senior positions but are incompetent. And one of the things of... of um, transitioning into a business coach and actually doing a master's in executive coaching there is so many people in the wrong roles and I think there needs to be a level of confidence within businesses that need to identify that people are in the wrong roles and are having an impact on the careers of people that are trying to grow and therefore I like this is partly why I love coaching. I coach um, in two of the biggest TV companies in the UK um, as an independent contractor. And what I do love about it is you can foresee and also work with managers to coach 
other people and help people see, um, give them that visibility on how to improve their communication. Um, and that's what the podcast, The Millennial Coach, is all about. It's really about to give people insight into relationships. And it's not just platonic, it's also um, romantic because there's a link to your mental state when things are not going well at home, you do underperform at work or you spend much more longer hours at work to avoid the situation at home. And your behavior impacts the relationships you have in the workplace that also can be negatively affected based on the fact that you're having a negative um, relationship in your house with your spouse, your children, your parents, whatever it may be. So it's given me, it's given me more wings and I feel that I've earned my stripes. Um, and I am very clear when I speak. I don't, I'm very intentional. There is no misunderstanding. If I'm not happy, if I do not want to work with a particular client, I have no problem with withdrawing my services. No, that's a big deal. And, and some people have a hard time doing that. So it's great that you're coaching people be more intentional about what they're doing and why. When Absolutely. now dealing with dealing with conflict, conflict or uh, conflict's the wrong word. Dealing with disrespect, period, is always difficult. Yeah. How do you how do you handle it, or how do you help others handle it when that disrespect is coming from something completely out of your control? You know, you mentioned race and gender, and unfortunately, people have to deal with that. How yeah. do you handle that kind of disrespect when it's something that really, I mean, it has a lot to do with your identity, but has nothing to do with your performance. Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, I actually ask people to take notes of what has transpired and how long that experience has been going on in the workplace. Um, and then I ask them, how do they want, would they like to maintain the relationship with their superior? Because there's different ways you're going to re respond if you do want to maintain a relationship in the business or if you don't. So I actually have to find out what it is their intention is because if you have to work there, I don't work in all these workplaces. I have to be mindful that this is their life. And one of the things that I always say to people, if you do get a coach, check that they're accredited because a lot of people don't realize that they're handing their life and their, their behavioral patterns into the hands of somebody who could possibly destroy <laughs> their their future. One of the things that I tend to do is I like to do mediation um, and I think it's important for people to be, have the opportunity to speak and also find out what the policies within the business are in order to make a formal complaint and hold people accountable. The first thing though it will you know I always encourage to have a face-to-face -face, have a conversation with somebody and I'll give you an example we have I was working at a trade union and I'd met a woman who I started coaching and she was being victimized and you know she was is in her late 40s and just hated coming to work so sometimes when I would go and coach other people she would never be in the office and I wondered like I just don't get what's happening something doesn't make sense here so she would explain to me how she's been treated, disrespected. Um, and obviously this person that she's been managed by is very narcissistic um, and has complete lack of awareness of their own behaviour. So I encouraged her to have a conversation with her manager's superior and to find out some information in a way that is was a friendly approach, which she found out um, 
And so I said, so what would you like to do with the information? And then she applied for a secondment. So I said to her, you have two options. You either confront the situation or you leave the business. So she actually, um, we sat down one day and she, she, she went, went through her options. But what I always take into consideration is people have to work to pay bills. You know, we need to be very realistic when we're coaching people. They can't just up and leave. Okay, it's, it's, it's important to take into consideration all the connecting factors to why they're in the business and all, also the extrinsic motivations that keep them there. Because when you're at a place within yourself where you're unhappy, the intrinsic motivations have died. So <clears throat> I encouraged her to have a conversation with this woman Um she was too intimidated and then the secondment role came up so she took the role and she did an amazing job at the role better than the person that was actually on maternity leave and so when the lady returned from maternity leave I asked her what would her options be if she's going to return back to an you know unsatisfactory environment and there were some issues after the George Floyd death and so on where race was ignored and then there was um, a questionnaire done across the business to find out there was a lot of racist behaviour within this particular trade union and they're a trade union so it's just ironic that the racism stems within. She actually confronted the woman so I would have conversations with her she actually told her that she's unhappy with how she talks to her she does not want to continue working with her and therefore the business created a whole new role for this lady now it's taken her almost nine months to work through her confidence issues and she told me there were times because I'm very firm as a coach and if I know that you're doing things that are not in favor of your growth I will make it clear to you that it doesn't support what you're trying to achieve in the long run. And she actually said to me, I cried a little bit when you did tell me some stuff. But through the tears and the strategies that we put into place, she now has a new role that has been created for her. She no longer has to work with that woman. She's given the respect that she's given. And also the senior director who was new to the business, who I know they um, had a little bit of conflict, They now he now has a lot, a lot of respect for her, for her. So that for me is always a happy ending when I can see that sometimes it will take a year or two years for someone to change, you know, because it, it's, it's working with their fears and letting them know, especially if you're working in a union, you should know your rights, <laughs> you know. So it's it's important to use the strategies I use um, in an environment that I would say is conducive to the changes that can occur when you're confronting people and issues within a business. No, I like that. That makes a lot of sense to me. What, when, when you mentioned, when you mentioned your experience, there was really no HR department with power. There was a lot of problems with money and management and mm-hmm. issues with that. Mm-hmm. When, when you are faced with a situation where the environment isn't necessarily conducive to it and you decide, you know, I want to stay and change it. What, what, like what, what helped you, what helped you kind of take that role? I mean, you you mentioned moving to the trend the position in Dubai, but I imagine that it was still just kind of a difficult it was adjustment. It, it, it was it was very different. Dubai was run by Westerners. 
they had the what they had done showtime you know you know showtime in the us who were owned by viacom so what they had done was um operate from western principles as a business so the and the thing is they were located in the uk so the middle eastern um arm of the business was located in the uk and they moved to the um, middle east and they still had a lot of the policies in place of you know the uk we have a year's maternity leave um and these things were still in place um you can go on to comment they, they had a very different um power structure or hierarchy um that employed i would say um a version of sanity for anybody's um sake from Bahrain um, yeah so, yeah that's a big deal yeah and also working with the ceo i was able to influence him in ways because i made it clear to him that you know you, you know you brought me into a business where we would sit in tuesday meetings um every tuesday for an hour and discuss the business of tv but when i'd arrived it just seemed like a joke of a beating and i think he he mentioned to me you know you don't speak in the meetings and i made it clear to him i said do you want me to tell you the truth or you want me to humor you because i can give you either or okay if i want to humor you i will just tell you look it's too early to have a meeting but if i want to tell you the truth which i told him i said to him you you're paying me a lot of money to sit here to entertain jokes now i'm here to talk about the business of television now if we're going to talk about tv my advice to you is to think about the individuals that are in that room that talk for the sake of talking and do not add substance to the conversation if we're there we need to think about how we're going to you know grow subscription base how are we going to bring in more revenue what are we going to do in terms of on air um promotions and how we're going to get more sponsorship this is why i'm here i am not here to joke about and i think he started to realize okay this girl is a little bit she's not coming to be comfortable and i don't believe i think if you are someone who really respects growth being comfortable is not an option it's just not an option okay if you are going to you 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 may be comfortable for a little while things may work out but what is the next step So um and then also because I was in my MBA at the same time of university in the UK he had a little bit more heightened respect for me so and he also had an MBA so we met um from a business perspective on the same wavelength you know and uh-huh. any yeah and any time channels were launching you know I was the person you would come to right we need to launch a, a network or blah 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 and then I would give you a timeline of how I can achieve that and what team member I'm going to use because I always make sure I'm at the forefront of every launch and then I hand over the project to my team to run it consistently. No, that's fantastic. I love I love hearing that you just learned, okay, this is what I'm doing and this is how I'm doing it and we can absolutely have a respectful conversation, but don't waste my time. <laughs> I think yeah. that's wonderful and, and I and the, thing is, that. the thing is because I respected him, I didn't want to insult his intelligence. you know and you know when i tell people and i've had in the uk i find a lot of people in leadership positions they do not like straight talkers they and this is what why i do prefer working with more us based organizations or working with people who are not british because british people they're oversensitive but they also don't tell the truth when it comes to business there's a lot of yeah yeah we'll we'll, we'll give you a call and then there's no phone call and this this is even feedback from people from other parts of the world that I'm friends with that say I don't understand the behavior of the way people behave in the UK they don't tell you the truth and so telling people the truth in this country in business um 
is often rejected. And if you become popular in what you're doing, then you become somebody they try to respect. Your education and background, as far as they're concerned, they don't care because it's you're not in the same position as them. And that's the downfall of, I believe, why a lot of people in the wrong roles in the UK. And that could be global, but this is this is the platform I'm working from. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. And that's really interesting. I we we I don't get the opportunity to work a lot with international. So it's really cool to hear those kind of insights. So thank you. You're welcome. Um, what what are what are some of the things that you would recommend to people who are starting their careers? I I'm totally 110% for straight talk. You know, I'm, I'm a director of marketing and software, so I totally yeah, understand okay. the value of that. Yeah, so I understand. Yeah. And I wish I could like ingrain that into some of my new hires. So what yeah. do you, what do you I, recommend to help encourage the right culture when you're starting in your career? First of all, as the leader, um, Kelly, you're the leader. So I would say you need to set an example because leaders are the reason people behave the way they behave at the lower tiers of the business. And it's vital that you, how you want your department to be is how you work. One of the other things is have a culture where people tell you the truth, whether you want to hear it or you don't. The problem that we have in businesses now is people get into a certain position and they are led by ego, which then turns into arrogance. We want to train new hires to be able to speak their mind respectfully, but also have a solution because it's about the impact of what their ideas are going to have on the overall business and the bottom line. Um, First thing I always turn up on time. Lateness is a disrespect. I don't put up lateness. If you, if I'm teaching and you turn up late, either don't come to the class or I'm not, I'm not repeating. You've missed the first half. No one's going to repeat it for you. Um, you're going to have to make the teas and coffees as a newcomer. It's not something that, you know, you've got to earn your stripes somehow. You need to stay late. When it's five o'clock and your train is coming, you're going to have to get the six o'clock train because you need to show that you are enthusiastic. There are ways to do things, but a lot of, and stay off your bloody mobile phones. That is something that I definitely will say. No, no leaders want to see a member of staff on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, like it's unacceptable. You know, it's unacceptable. And if you are someone who's new to business, read the internet. YouTube is like my new television channel. There is a plethora of information on how to behave, conduct yourself, how to approach. If you're in a meeting, like one of the things I say to um, new starts is if you've been in a, a department for six months and someone suggests something and you are a little bit intimidated by the team meeting, agree, say, you know, I would like to agree with Cali, simply because, you know, I've seen in the latest report on CNN tech um, page that, I don't know, Bitcoin is increasing in in value. That's it. But have something to contribute, you know. And the thing is, if if a newcomer has issues with communication, it's your responsibility as a leader to then put in some um, e-learning, blended learning, do some um, team group 
work um, with HR, find out if there's team building days that you can do, um, have some communication workshops, some soft skill workshops, because it's, you know, it's a universal effort with the business. Everybody needs to be working together to allow someone to grow. What we need to avoid doing is your new start. Here's, here's um, a booklet on how to start and use your computer and leave them to it. That's where we go wrong. So it is got to be a collective effort. Oh, thank you so much. I'm I'm going to be following more of your stuff. <laughs> I just want to I just want to clip that part and put it in training, and I think that'll be great. Um, no, thank you so much. Is there? I I appreciate your time, and I love your insights and your life experience to kind of help drive those points home. Is there something you wanted to kind of bring up or address um, that you didn't get a chance to earlier in the conversation? Yeah, I do want to address diversity of minds. I think we are at a place within society, whether, you know, universal society, I'll say, because the internet has made the world so much more smaller. And we need to be open to engaging diversity of the mind, because just because you you think, oh, um, I've got an Asian person, a black person, a gay person, you know, uh, a, a disabled person. So I've, I've ticked all the boxes, but that doesn't mean that they're any good at anything. Okay. So in order to find people and really learn about your team, it's very important as leaders is you talk to people in the business, not just hi, stop and have a conversation with you. What did you do this weekend? How's your family? Where are your family based? Oh, where did you grow up? Because you might not know that that person's escapism may be just coming to work. And I think we are not very conscious of the people we work with. I'm very nosy. I think this is why I did a degree in journalism. So I people would never understand how I know so much about somebody's life. But I'm very, I make people's business my business. And people are my business. And if you are in a senior or leadership position, it's very important that you get to know who you're working with, because that will add value to how you sustain and build that relationship. And the respect factor you will get out of that is unparalleled to the longevity of the relationship. So I definitely will say diversity of minds can only be investigated by having conversations. And I'm not talking about them bringing a new product to the business, find out who they are in the business. So I hope that has been useful. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much. And again, I really appreciate your time, Sandra. Everyone go follow. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone (laughs) go follow her. I will, I will include links to her podcast on my site and as well as on the social posts. So if you're not sure where that is, just go check out my Facebook page. It'll all be there. Mm-hmm. And if you know anyone that you would love to hear their story and love to hear their defining moment, please go nominate them at kayleespeaks.com slash podcast. Thanks again, Sandra, for being on. I can't wait to hear more of your content, you know, as a, as a leader, you know, as the leader on an exec team and the only woman, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a blast. And I, I have a good team, but uh, learning and establishing the right things is, can be tricky. So I appreciate your feedback on that and to help me become a better leader. So thank you for that personally. You're more than welcome. You're more than welcome. Thank you very much for having me. And um, I hopefully we'll see you again. All right. No, absolutely. Thank you so much, everyone. And have a great day.